uh, first of all, I, I would really um, love to thank everybody who has made the effort to come here, spend money, to uh, take time off, whatever is necessary uh, to get here. You should look around. There's a lot of faces I do know, but there's a, a lot of faces I don't know either. But uh, thank you for making the effort. Praise the Lord for the fact that we've been converted. The Lord has done this mighty work um, in the latter days, as we've been reminded of, that um, we've been hearing of the good things that have been happening around our fellowship during COVID, when there's been so much bad news over a period of time. And, uh, and yet we've heard some wonderful stories of what the Lord's been doing, and he's got um, great plans different to what the world has. Um, let's just have a look at John 3 for a moment, and I can't go past this uh, as we're talking here today, that our, our theme of the gospel, first of all, um, we read here of a man who came to Jesus uh, by night, as it turns out, a religious man, and in, in verse 3 of John chapter 3, Jesus says to this man Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this message is uh, a message that is familiar to all of the people here unless you're a visitor. All the people said it is preached faithfully all across the world, wherever our fellowships are, we say the same thing about what this passage means. And it goes on in verse 5 uh, because there's a question. Or maybe I should read verse 4. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And be born. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he enlightens him a little more to say there is a, a two step process to this being born again. And we've heard many times here today about the importance of being baptized in water by full immersion and receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And right through this hall today, there are many, many hundreds of people who know what that experience is and the joy that it has brought to their lives. And we thank the Lord for that. I would like to uh, perhaps, since we've heard a fair bit about salvation already, both in testimony and song as well, I'd like to just address a few thoughts to people who have already come to the Lord because once this experience has happened to you, you think, well, okay, what do I do with this now? If my life has been changed for the better. So where to from here? Let's just go to the book of Esther, if we can, back in the Old Testament. I just want to touch on uh, a, one little passage there to uh, um, make a bit of a point. We'll turn to, uh, firstly, to chapter 2, one verse there. <clears throat> and I just want to, uh, if you haven't read this story, it does, it's a very interesting story. It, uh, it bears reading. There was a it was a time here where the nation of Israel were captive, and um, there was they'd been taken away to an, another country, and there's a particular man here by the name of Mordecai, um, and he is an uncle to or like an uncle to uh, Esther, I think they might have been cousins, uh, but anyway he was, he was much older, and um, and he 
was very helpful in bringing her up. And uh, during this captivity, we find that uh, she ends up through a series of circumstances of all things, a captive ends up married to the king of the nation that took them captive. A remarkable story. But you would think a wrong step because God's people, all of a sudden one of their daughters has ended up in this position, married to a man who doesn't believe in God. But God had a purpose in all of this. Uh, and in verse 17 it, it, of chapter 2 it says, And the king uh, loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace. There had been a beauty contest, I won't go into all of that. She obtained grace and favour in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of the previous queen, Vashti. Now, I think uh, for many young ladies this might be the dream, is that uh, to become a princess, to become a queen, and uh, we've got a, an Aussie uh, who's uh, a queen over in Denmark that uh, knows a little bit about this sort of an event. Um, but what is to happen to this uh, young woman is, to she, is that she's going to come into a real crisis in her life. And uh, at this particular time, she gets some advice from her uncle. Now, she had a good life, in a sense. And I, I might, maybe I want to make a bit of a comparison particularly to those of us in the Western world, about how good our life is for many of us. And, uh, and she had such a good life. But a good life doesn't spare you of trouble. And so what had happened was that a threat came against all of the people who were captive. There was a plan to have them all killed. And she could have kept quiet and said nothing about it at all and lived her life. And her uncle was uh, meanwhile trying to advise her that she needed to speak up and say that she was one of God's people. And in verse 13 of chapter 4, if we can just look at that, Mordecai wasn't able to actually get to her personally as she lived uh, in the palace, but he sent a message. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house, more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'm not going to finish the story, obviously, today. That's just for you to have a little taster of it and go and read the rest of it later. But it has a good conclusion. Here at this time, she could have she would have considered the advice that was being given and the risk it was to her as to what will happen if I speak up. Will I lose all the comforts that I have and everything good that has come my way? Should I listen to my uncle Mordecai or should I do what I want to do? You know, when we're young, sometimes 
you know, we we reckon we know the answers and we're going to work it out. But fortunately, she was a spiritually minded young woman and she heard the advice of her uncle and she thought, well, one way I can make for sure about all of this is I can go to the Lord about it. And advice is one thing, but checking it out with the Lord is another. And so together, she said, with the, the others, she said a prayer and fast. And in the end, she saved all her people. And they were able to be freed from what was coming their way. And I guess that if we talk about, uh, you know, what can we do after we have come to, to receive the salvation of the Lord, is to say, well, do we understand what calling it is that the Lord has given us and what he wants us to do with it, though we might have a poor life or a, a rich life? You know, why would God choose this particular story of somebody being a queen? I mean, how many of us are going to become that? But I think he wanted to show to us, perhaps, that no matter what your circumstances, there will be challenges and God will want us to speak up. And it was difficult for her to speak to her unbelieving husband, who was the king, because she just couldn't get access to him any time, according to the law. And yet she knew it was what she should do. And when she had the courage to do it, then all of a sudden the gates just opened for wonderful things to happen. And, and, and God has given us a story like that so that we might imagine that we would have stories like that. Can we just turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and in verse um, 15? Paul the Apostle writes to the Corinthian church and he says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, Paul is writing here as a pastor. A pastor's... Uh, in the Western world, um, are probably frowned on a lot these days. Um, maybe a lot of forms of guidance or authority are frowned upon in the Western world these days. We don't seem to delight in good leadership anymore. And, uh, and yet there are many instructors on Google or wherever. All the people who've had bad experience want to share it with everybody else. And, I want to have a go at leadership of any any form. Maybe uh, pastors, you know, if we can think of it the way that we uh, are, are seeing it here, that if we see uh, our pastor in our fellowship as uh, perhaps somebody who wants to be like a Mordecai, to say, I want to help you to make your life a success, not only how to be saved, but how to walk on strongly. And if we from this convention are, uh, are encouraged in all the things that we have heard and we think, how can I go back to where I am living and back my pastor? Not because he's somebody high up and somebody in authority or whatever, but rather because he's given his life for the service of the Lord and to lead you and guide you into all good things. And, and we could say, oh, but I know the answer and resist it. But often he's the one that might have opened the word of God to you to find out how to be saved. And he has uh, maybe taken the hits here and there. And, uh, and he has a wife 
that is supporting him and he has children that perhaps there's an impact on his life. But he's, he, in a sense he says, if I perish, I perish. Uh, because he loves the truth. And, and, and that's the way we want to be, is that we want to be servants to God so that we might uh, bring forward a message that saves people's souls and inspires people. And, and so we, we hope that there will be in our fellowship many Esthers who say, uh, in spite of my circumstances, I want to save my people and go back out to those who are my age or who've lived a life like I have or, or those I know at school or, or whoever and say, what can I do here? And I guess the missing piece I just want to bring into this um, thought here today is when Esther needed to hear God, she heard God in what was being said. Do we hear God in what is being said to us? Will we allow ourselves when the word of God is presented to us, when it's presented to us by an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister, and they present to us the exciting word of God, will we hear God in it or will we buck against it and say, no, I've got a better way, I've got an idea. But if we hear God, even today, for your salvation and say, these are the words of God written down here and I want to follow that and find out for myself and pray about it and say, is this really true, the things that my friends have said to me? Or maybe a stranger who wants to be a better friend than anybody else has been tell you something that is really worthwhile for you. To encourage you here today uh, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're in the latter rain. May we go and confront the kings that are around about us that seem too hard to speak to and say, no, the Lord will bless me if I speak. And that we might in these uh, these last days of, of the ages that God has... Uh, uh, has given for the gospel to go out, really make a mark, all of us, wherever we are, and see what the Lord will do and what doors he will open. All the people said. Amen.